This is CliffCentral.com. Animal Central on CliffCentral.com. Hello and welcome to Animal Central on CliffCentral.com. My name is Ainsley Hay and I'm your host. I was your absent host last week because I, I'm pretty sure I had man flu. I was man down, woman down for three days in bed with a fever. <coughs> Excuse me if I cough and splutter, but I think I'm still slightly diseased. Hopefully I don't get the poor people in studio sick. I'm just looking at them and apologizing now. <laughs> Seeing the evil looks about the man flu comment. Yes, I know. It was it was done it was done intentionally. You have risen to my bait. It's a good thing you're on the other side. Yes. So as you can hear, we have Dr. Clint Austin from Bayer who's back in studio. You've had a bit of a a dramatic afternoon. That was quite exciting. Um I left the office with plenty of time to spare to get yes. to which one well does. Done. Well one done. lives in Johannesburg. And um, got stuck in a snarl up on the R twenty four. If anybody oh. is taking the R twenty four to Johannesburg, uh just past Edenvelt and I'll stay oh. away. It comes down to one lane. Oh. Long story short, I got re-ended by a truck whose brakes failed. Oh. But I'm here in one piece. Good to go. <laughs> now, you've handled it very calmly because I can promise you there would be all sorts of, you know, I would be in an absolute piece of value. So, well done. Thank well you. done. You're keeping it together. I'll fall apart afterwards. Yes. Yeah, no. And I feel sorry for the truck driver. I, do, I believe he would have got a piece of your mind, hopefully. No time. No time. <laughs> Took photos, threw a business card at him and ran. <laughs> well played. So today uh, in the show, we have a guest joining us via Skype because he's lucky lucky enough to not have to live in Joburg and deal with traffic and being rear-ended by trucks. <laughs> the, we have Tozi Zakufa joining us. He is the program manager for Africa of the Humane Society International. Tozi, are you there? I'm here, Ansley. How are you? Hi, Tozi. I'm well. Thanks and you. Good, 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 uh, good afternoon to everyone. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. What's the weather like in Cape Town? Well, it's uh, perfect, if I can ah. say it like that. It's <laughs> lucky. It's good. Tough it's good. life, tough life, hey. <laughs> so, Tozi, you, we've, you've got some very, very exciting news um, regarding some chickens. Do you want to tell us a bit about what's going on? Well, you know, Ansley, it depends, you know, what is good and how, how you view good. But, mm. um, but well, it's, uh, I would rather call it uh, interesting news, um, in a sense that, uh, major, major, uh, retailers and restaurants in, of the world have uh, announced that, you know, the chickens will be, will be out of the cages come 2025. Wow. Others 2026, 20, and particularly in this case, now we're talking about uh, Burger King okay. that they've uh, recently made an announcement that their chickens who are laying eggs for them will be outside of the cages by 2025. Wow. So these are uh, these are indeed uh, good news, uh, interesting news in a sense. Then that uh, in five four years time, you know, ten nine years time, in some instances, chickens will be laying eggs out of the cages. Wow. But uh, but I must I must stress uh, Ansley that. In South Africa, Beggar King is not offering a breakfast as yet, and therefore this really doesn't apply to us. them. But this is something that they are looking into. You know, once they start, uh, once they start uh, rolling out their breakfast meals, hopefully they will follow suit as well. Yeah. Maybe starting off from the onset, starting off from sourcing, you know, from chickens that are not mm. uh, are not cramped and uh, and uh, and yes. really uh, in crowded spaces. And do you know how long it's taken to lobby to get this change? 
Well, it's uh, it's uh, it, it it it's been a, it's been a decade, you know, yeah. talking to colleagues That's in crazy. the U.S. as well and in other countries. It's been uh, it's been maybe 15 years, 18 years, That's and um, and uh, and uh, and yes, and, and and hence I'm saying, you know, it depends what is good because yeah. some people are saying, ah, you know, it's going to happen in 2026. Why why must we be happy about that? Mm. You know, why can't it happen tomorrow? But of course, these are businesses, and um, and unfortunately, they are looking at things economically at yeah. this stage and we are there as well to say look let's not only look at uh, things economical but let's look at the ethical side of things as well yeah. let's look at the impact that the animals is, are, are, are having to undergo because of these systems so mm. we would love for them to go out of cages as early as tomorrow mm. but uh, unfortunately it will take so many years yeah it's just it's it's always so sad that you know big business like this that makes so much profit. I mean, I don't think that we can even comprehend the type of profit that these, you know, international, multinational chains make, that it takes mm. so long for them to even pay a pittance to animal welfare. Um, and then you have, you have organizations like yourselves and other animal welfare organizations. Locally, we have the NSPCA who work so tirelessly off of so little mm. money to try and make people just to look after their animals properly. That's so true. That's so true. You know, Ansley, I, I think we, we have a, a bigger role to play. Mm. Uh, there are what? Let's say um, average maybe 120 animal welfare organizations. I'm including now uh, environmental yes. organization and wildlife, whether it's rhino poaching and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will be 220, but uh, many of them are local SPCAs in, yes. in different regions. So let's say 120, 115, you know, roundabout. Yeah. And, uh, and really representing a small constituency mm-hmm. here and there. Mm-hmm. But if we were to come together and clap together and sort of uh, vote with our pockets, mm-hmm. you know, going to supermarkets exactly. and demanding higher welfare products and not necessarily look at the, at the, at the price, which is cheap and then yeah. buy because it's cheap. Uh, if we can do that, unfortunately, it's difficult. I mean, we hear every day this, at least this year that, uh, it's going to be a tough year for yeah, South African consumers, mm. and uh, and meat will double. Probably mm. eggs will uh, rise by 30 percent. Mm. And uh, and and indeed, it's uh, it, if we can make that change ourselves by voting with our pockets. I think I think industry won't have a choice because exactly. they're supplying us. And then if we say this is the type of product that we want, then I believe that uh, a change will be achieved. Exactly. And I mean, it's so much more accessible nowadays. I remember um, I went through a very vegetarian stage after <laughs> studying at Ornestapurt and doing doing a couple of dissections and putting myself off of things for a while. And it was very difficult to get hold of either <clears throat> vegetarian food or especially or vegan food or even just free range food. Because once you become mm-hmm. aware of the processes that are involved with how your meat is produced, I think as an as an ethical consumer, and if you say you're an animal lover, you really should take easy steps, like just buying free range free range meat, and it is a lot more mm. accessible than it used to be. Yes, there is a price difference, but can you you know you can't put price on animal welfare, but unfor- unfortunately, yeah. when you when you're feeding the masses, that's a whole different a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, you know, our our call, Ansley, nowadays is really to 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 say to industry and the government, for that matter, let's look at the whole process holistically. Mm. You know, the the impact it has on the environment, mm-hmm. the impact it has on uh, on uh, on human health, yeah. the impact it has on animal welfare. Let's look at holistically all, all these issues, yeah. and then. 
I mean, what is wrong with uh, eating good quality food, but uh, less lesser times than uh, than really eating junk junk food, exactly, with, uh, yeah. which is which has detrimental effect to our health exactly. and uh, of course detrimental effect to the environment and yeah. and the animals. So it's uh, it's really a call for for consciousness to really you know um, uh, 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 rise up instead of yeah. uh, looking at the prices. No, that's that's you're spot on with that. Now, Tozi, tell me something about. Um, so, obviously, I think a lot of our well, I speak on my for myself. Maybe not a lot of listeners are aware about Humane Society um, International, but now we have um, an African branch as well. Just tell us a bit about um, the African branch of the Humane Society. How long has it been going for? Oh well, it's uh, it's still at the baby baby. <laughs> baby stage. Yeah, we're still crawling. Okay, but uh, but uh, we we're really maneuvering well, Good. and we are engaging with uh, with retailers. I mean, uh, interestingly enough, uh, next week as well, we'll be meeting with uh, different stakeholders: Department of Agriculture, University of Pretoria, okay. your retailers, Woolworths, Pick and Pays, and so on, and uh, and 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 um, and really introducing ourselves and the work that we do. But uh, currently, we are only having two branches or departments, if really? I can call it that, Ansley. Uh, Farm Animal Department, which really looks at um, at this stage, looks at the pig welfare and the and the laying hands yeah. welfare. Uh, only those two for now. I mean, we look at other issues as well, but we're really highlighting those two because they suffer the most in South Africa, and uh, and strategically we looked at those uh, those um, uh, two divisions. Mm. And uh, I have a colleague in Makalali Lodge in uh, in Limpopo doing animal uh, um, uh, elephant contraception. Okay. And uh, those those are the two projects that we we really we're really focusing on in South Africa at this stage, but uh, looking to expand. In the couple of months' time, maybe doing humane education, okay. uh, doing cats and dogs as well in the long run. So, so definitely HSI is here to stay. There is a need, Fantastic. you know. The, the, it's an entry to the African continent, and then uh, definitely, I mean, uh, uh, South Africa is is one of the leading meat consumption countries. In, in fact, is oh, number really? one in, 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 in on the African continent. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Sure. Oh, yes, we consume four times what Lesotho next door consumes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, even five times to what uh, Nigeria consumes. So, yeah, uh, we're up there. Second to us is... uh, is, uh, is Morocco, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Morocco, okay. Egypt. But, uh, but, but yeah, we're number one. Okay. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, um, I think it's great that, that you guys are here and it definitely sounds like you've been hard at work. I think, Clint, if you, you know, I don't, I think production animals, so your farm animals, uh, they, they definitely do get quite a tough time in terms of welfare and the conditions that they're kept, that they're kept in. Look, I'd, oh, I'd, yes. I'd be careful yes. to you. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> we have. I'm going to keep you on the line, Tozy, and I'm just. I've got a guest in studio, Clint. So we all just got to speak, speak together, okay. if that's okay. Nice to meet. Nice to meet you, Clint. <laughs> nice to meet you. I, I think we're to be careful of um, stereotyping mm-hmm. all farmers. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of very responsible farmers out there who have a very tough time balancing. You know, at the end of the day, to me, it comes about about ethical mm-hmm. and sustainable production. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the protein requirements, not just of South Africa, but of the world, mm-hmm. going to staggering levels by 2050. If you look at the world uh, population projection. Just because of the, the burgeoning population of humans. Exactly that. Mm. Exactly that. And 
So one one does need to farm ethically, and one does need to farm sustainably. And there's a lot of very good farms out there. There are some guys um, that that and that I think, and it's the same as in anything. There's going to be a handful of guys that are going to give everybody else a bad mm. name. I'm pleased to see that there is a, a very strong awareness of animal welfare now starting to come through. Mm. But as we pointed out, if you look at the timelines involved, it's not something that can change overnight, mm. and it is going to have a cost implication mm. because um, free range and organic farming. It sounds weird, but is more expensive yes, uh, because no, it's more it's more it's more space no, intensive it, it, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, the, and and the consumers that are going to be hardest hit um, are your lower income consumers. But what in, what what incentives are there for farmers to farm ethically? I don't know. You know, well, besides the the human, there are laws. There's very strict laws. There's no. animal welfare. I've Act. worked. I've worked. And I've worked in animal welfare enforcement in this country, mm-hmm. law enforcement. And I'm sorry. Correct. I'm going to poo poo that right now because the, laws the law. Are there. It's not to say they are properly enforced yeah, or that, followed. Yes. Yeah. But the laws are there. I mean, if you look at the Animal Welfare Act, it's a well written act. It really is. It just needs to be enforced. And you need the infrastructure. You need the people. You need the manpower to do mm-hmm. that. And that there is. And you do then also need to create the awareness mm-hmm. so the incentive to the producer is going to come from the person who buys his cattle or his sheep or his mm-hmm. chickens or his eggs mm-hmm. he's going to say look i'm only going to buy from you if you meet the following criteria and a lot of your sort of um, bigger more responsible um, uh, food food chains and and retail chains and supermarket chains are starting to go that way and we're not going to get into we're not going to mention any names because mm-hmm. that's going to lead to all sorts of other debates mm-hmm. but the awareness is increasing um, mm. and, and that is, I think, the first step in the right direction. Okay. And then, Tozy, from the consumer side, what what mm. sort of guarantee is there that if I go and I buy my lamb chops and it says that my lamb chops are free range, what is the guarantee that it actually is free range? Is there any guarantee for the consumer? You know, at this stage, Ansley, uh, interesting that you should raise that one up. It, there's definitely no no guarantee, and it's only now that we are in in in, in talks. You know, with different um, different organizations. As I said, next week that animal welfare approved from the US will be will be in South Africa. Looking at, uh, I mean, you can find more information on them on uh, animalwelfareapproved.org. Okay. You know, looking at, uh, looking at uh, 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 the viability of animal welfare audits. Hensley, we yeah. do have uh, food safety and meat safety audits uh, in, in all companies. But now consumers are wanting this guarantee that, okay, this is free range. Who looked mm. at this and uh, who approved it and who is saying it is? And then that's that's really what we'll be looking at in the next couple of uh, of months. But uh, but at this stage, really, I mean, you might have uh, uh, read somewhere that uh, uh, you know the free range, the the label itself is being misused. You know, if uh, if these, uh, for example, chickens are not in cages, they are labeled free range, yeah. whereas free range really means that they must uh, roam around outside mm. in the forage for a couple of uh, hours mm. in in a day. And these chickens do not do that. They are just afforded maybe six poop holes, you know, in, yeah. a, in a massive uh, industrial shed. Uh, whereby some of them are kept inside by the food that is inside. They don't even go outside. So yes. when you buy this egg, you think it's free range, but the chicken who produced it never saw the exactly. light, you know? Exactly. Mm. That's a, that, that's a huge problem. So listeners, as you can hear, we're having a very interesting, um, topic today. It affects all of us, um, because all of us, well, most of us, most of us eat meat. So if you'd like to contact us, please give us a call on 0861 555 189. 
Also, um, you can get us on Twitter at cliffcentral.com. Facebook, Cliff Central, and then WeChat. You can get us on Cliff Central by tapping connect and then send a message to the show. So we're going to go to a music break now and we'll be back afterwards. This is cliffcentral.com. Right, we're back from a wee little music break there. So I have got Tozi Zakufa on Skaf, Skype from Humane Society International. Tozi, you still there? Still here, uh, great, still here. great. And then I've got also also got Dr. Clint Austin from Bayer, and we are speaking about farm animals. So we've been speaking about chickens and the different practices, and that Burger King um, has committed to phasing out um, battery battery farming of eggs in twenty thousand and twenty five, which is an awfully long time to go still, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And it's it's good to know that you, Tozi, and your team are. are putting the, the train on the tracks to um, push this um, in South Africa. And you say you've got a, a big meeting next week. So we'll definitely be thinking thinking of you and hoping that you get a lot of buy-in from the relative stakeholders. Have have you got some positive feedback so far? So so far, so so good, Ansley. I mean, uh, you know, you'll always want more. Mm. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's, it's good when, when there's progress. Yeah. However... However little or however slow the steps uh, to that progress would be, mm. yes, the journey the journey has started, and uh, I think as Clint has also mentioned that I mean there's a there's a change even if then we vote with our pockets, you mm. know, but uh, but uh, people are getting uh, are knowing more about this. I see yeah. there's a shift in the middle class really to uh, whether it's for health benefits, but they are really going for for organic foods, and then they know that they should invest in themselves and therefore they are they are they are buying you know uh, good quality food but uh, what we are highlighting now as an organization is that whilst you are looking after your health can you spare thought as well for these animals mm. i mean uh, they were really created to to roam around freely to flap their wings mm. why then wouldn't they be denied to flap a, a, to 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 sort of uh, do a basic uh, uh, behavior yeah. of flapping their wings you mm. know it's uh, it's it's just not right and there are people People, I mean, in the in the in the communities, you know, previously disadvantaged communities that we engage with, and then when they see these videos, they say, "This can't be." Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that I'm getting eggs that are coming from this system. Exactly. I didn't know this. What this is what happens, yeah. but. I, I agree that it doesn't necessarily then mean that they will go and buy free range because at times they can't afford it. Yeah. But uh, they are aware that uh, how these animals are treated is just not right. Mm. No, that's brilliant. I think. I think an important thing that needs to be clarified, and I don't know, Clint, if you want to handle this, I think <clears throat> some people get confused between the terms organic and free range, and sometimes it's sort of interchanged. Yeah, I think it's a it's a common Confusion. area for people to get confused, mm. and it, it it depends what you're referring to. Mm. So obviously, if we're referring to cattle and sheep, free range means raised on pasture, so yeah. they're not actually the f- finished call, we, so we say it, or, or and, and don't spend any time in a feedlot. Yeah. Obviously, that is is a much longer production cycle. Um, a lot of people often think as well that free range means no medication. Mm-hmm. And that's also where people get a little bit mistaken. Um, free range, one of the requirements for free range is that there's no, um, let's call it routine antimicrobials 
mm-hmm. preventative antimicrobials. Okay. And, and so antimicrobials are dewormers. Anti- well, antibiotics, anything okay. like that. In other words, you don't you don't want to give them for no reason mm-hmm. at all. You know, just for the sake mm-hmm. of giving them. Whereas when if you're farming animals in intensive situations, one of the things is you have to give them a lot but, of antiparasitics. Well, this is this is where the confusion comes in. Organic, if we're now talking about medications, or organic means like no zero preventative. Yeah. You know, Nothing. measures, no medications, that kind of thing, which, you know, almost has a, some welfare implications in itself mm. because you're now creating, you're putting animals together in really close proximity. So you don't have to be free range to be organic? No. Aha. Uh-huh. No, no. Well, actually, I think it might even be the, the other way. I, I, it, it's a little bit of a, it, it's tricky. Okay. Um, if you, and, and it isn't, I don't think the legislation around it is all that clear. I think yeah. your bigger, your bigger sort of chains, particularly your bigger retail chains, you actually go and audit their producers okay. are very clear on, on what you qualified. have to con, what conform to in order to be certified as either free range or organic. Okay. Now, the hassle with free range where you're just not allowed to give anything mm. to these animals. You've now gone and put a whole bunch of animals and whatever species they are in very close proximity to one another because that is That's what organic. Well, no, I'm talking about any production system now. Okay. If, we, if we're talking, okay. if we're talking about organic, yes, um, you obviously you need to be able to farm sustainably, yeah. which means you need to make maximum or best practical use of your available space. Uh-huh. So you're putting animals together in a higher density or higher concentration than, than what they they'd be found yes. in nature. So you're yeah. actually creating ideal conditions for disease spread, uh-huh. disease incidents, parasites, that kind of thing, and um, you know that sort of needs to be controlled because you're not mm-hmm. going to control that. There's going to be welfare implications mm-hmm. to the animals, and also as a veterinarian. It's not only animal health and animal welfare that concerns me, but it, uh, having f- safe food yeah, for human. us and our children mm-hmm. to consume is very important mm-hmm. to me as well. Mm-hmm. So one does need to draw that distinction between organic mm-hmm. and free range. Free range, uh, uh, depending if you're talking about cattle, now if they get sick, they are allowed to be treated. Mm-hmm. And obviously then there's certain requirements depending on what medications you've been using on mm-hmm. the animals. There's certain withdrawal periods that need to be adhered to, and one needs to be very aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think... Our guest was right in that those those terms often get misused Mm -hmm. and they become a marketing Mm -hmm. hook. Yes. So somebody says, well, our food is organic and our food is free range. And it isn't actually, but they're just using that on the label to hook the consumer. Yes. And it is open to abuse. And and I think there is some some strict control necessary or required. And Tozia, I'm very excited that you guys are going to be working on that. I think which which countries have had the most success um, so far with an animal welfare approved brand or marketing? Well, it, uh, Ansley, thank you for that. It, uh, I mean, it, it, it depends. It depends, um, how you look at it. For example, uh, we, we always quote that, um, Tanzania has the best animal welfare act in, 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 in uh, on the African continent only okay. because their animal welfare act of 2008 recognizes animals as sentient beings. Uh, you okay. see, you, you getting there, you starting from the, from the basics, from the foundation that, okay, we now believe that these animals do feel pain mm. and they, they need to be amongst themselves and in a group and so on. You starting from there, it means then whatever it is that you create will always have that uh, 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 sort of background. Yeah. In it. So which is, which is good. Whereas if, uh, if animals are property, uh, just a property mm. like your, your car or your laptop and your house, then, mm. Then I mean it depends how you how you look at it. But I must say that uh, uh, as early as um, last uh, last ten days, 
I mean, even now, I know that uh, next week they will be in, uh, in, in Bulukwane. The Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry is all out, going in all nine provinces. There is an animal welfare implementation plan which is being discussed, and that will form the basis of the new Animal Welfare Act. And, and, uh, and we, are, we, are, we are really hopeful that our, our contributions and our comments will, will draw up a good animal welfare for the for the country but I'm i also, also hoping that, that. i'm hoping yes, that yes. i also wanted to highlight that uh, well free range doesn't necessarily uh, at times mean higher welfare you know yeah. but uh, but uh, it, it it is it is logical that it's better than the cage but i mean these animals could be could be treated inhumanely mm-hmm. whilst being uh, in the outdoors mm-hmm. and so, and so uh, i just wanted to 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 point that one out as well no, that's, that is, it is a valid point. I think, I think the problem is with, with mass consumerism, which is what we have created as humans and which is what we live in. It's just, I think we're, A, you're bombarded with so much choice and B, there's so much marketing with every single product that it's almost, you don't need to ask any questions. You don't need to look any further because if I want organic, Chia seed milked from a crying baby on top of Alaska. I can get it nowadays, pretty much. Yeah, Whereas in yeah. the olden but, days, you had a lot mm. less, fewer things, and um, and your your choices were were limited. Whereas nowadays, there's so much, and it's just so easy to get access. Um, that's, to- that's 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 so true. In fact, you know, last year South Africans consumed close to eight billion eggs. Eggs, uh, sure, and. Uh, and that's that's too many eggs, you know, that's laid laid crazy. by uh, by by close to 25 million laying hands. That that eight billion is coming from 25 million laying hands. Wow. And it is so sad, so so sad. You can ask this from the South African Poultry Association that less than five percent of those eggs were were certified free range or were from free range, not necessarily certified. Wow. But I think. Out of that five percent, how, however little it is, out of that five percent, if maybe I'm economical, I would say two point five percent were through free range and two point five percent were not. Wow! You know, and it's a that's a high number, and uh, and the reason why we do not have free range legislation, which was started already in 2009-2010, is because industry is not interested. Yeah. I mean, eight billion eggs are coming from a so-called normal system, yeah. why should why we be it? interested with the 5% that is exactly. coming from free range and legislate it, you exactly. know? Hence the misuse of the, of, the, of the label. Exactly. But now, um, I think that's a very good point because the price difference between free range eggs and normal eggs is tiny. You don't, you don't really feel, as a consumer, obviously I, I'm in the middle class, I'm not speaking for people under under my earning income because they're in a completely different kettle of fish. But from from I would say middle class upwards, I I can't see any reason to justify not if you can just make one commitment, one decision to commit to buy free range eggs. That it's mm. not a very big financial implication. Yes, if you're looking at a pack of lamb chops and free range or not, you can see quite a difference. But really, with the eggs that you can find in the sh- supermarkets. <coughs> I don't think that it's too far of a stretch. So I would, I would definitely appeal to all of our listeners that maybe it's quite late for a New Year's resolution, but it can be a, a, a Easter bunny resolution because Easter bug, bunnies have, there's eggs involved. Just make a commitment to do one thing for chickens and to commit to buy free range eggs. What do you think about that, Tozy? I, I think that's that's perfect. In fact, to take it a step further, the question would be, why are we eating eggs? 
<laughs> and then once once you answer that that you are looking for vitamin E, you're looking for for this protein, you're looking for that, and then the next question will be how much do you need of that a day? Mm. Now. Once you start answering those questions and then looking for substitutes as well, you'll find out then, Ansley, that instead of eating 12 eggs in a week, you can actually eat six eggs and then the other, the other protein you can get from other, from other sources as well. And I mean, we did a test uh, in 2010 looking only at vitamin E of a free range egg mm -hmm. compared to a uh, conventional egg. And you believe it, the free range egg vitamin E was twice as much as the conventional one. Really? So it means, it means if I were to eat two, one free range egg, you'll need to eat uh, two more. I mean, to, to get the same equivalent, equivalent of vitamin E that I'm getting. So it's good to eat less, but quality food. I think that's the way to go. And with this, uh, if we were to survive 2016 with the prices in, in mm. four or five months time, that, uh, that will come. I personally believe that we can survive any other year then. Mm, no, that's that's a valid point. I, from me, I personally, I wish I had a big enough place so I could have my own chicks, my own chickens, and do my own free range eggs. But obviously, that's not that's not an option for um, majority of South Africans. Mm. Um, but Tozi, so tell me a little bit about um, your your sort of career history. I'm I'm interested to hear what where you where you come from. How did you end up with the Humane Society? Well, it's uh, it's it's it depends if it's interesting or not. But it, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you know, it all started. Uh, I, I like to say it like this: it all started at uh, at the then Technicon at the Port Elizabeth Technicon, mm. uh, Ainsley. I wanted to do uh, biomedical engineering, oh. and uh, you know, and and what what really what really there's an entrepreneurial spirit in me that wanted to maybe design uh, uh, wheelchairs and you know prosthetic legs and so on. And, uh, and, and that's where I wanted to go. And, uh, when I applied, I was told then that, um, the, 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 the course is full, but there's environmental health for, for, for your interest. Mm -hmm. Looking at the, at the, at the program, I saw that, okay, there's anatomy and physiology, there's some microbiology and epidemiology, all the logies that uh, were of interest to me. And I thought, okay, this is something that I must go for. And then, yeah, I did. And, uh, on third year, I, uh, specialized in meat safety and food safety. And, uh, believe it or not, I worked at the abattoir as a meat inspector, mm -hmm. inspecting, uh, carcasses, you know, before they are, they are, they are sort of distributed mm -hmm. and made into products. Yeah. Whether it was, uh, it was, uh, chickens or, or ostriches or beef or cattle, you know, something like that. And then, uh, and then whilst doing that for the for the private sector and the Department of Agriculture for about seven to eight years, I uh, I met a lady who was um, still with uh, compassion in well farming at the, yes. at the at the time. And I mean, we worked together. I was telling her about the work that uh, the department is doing. She was telling me about the work that they were doing for animal welfare. And I did say, you know, out of the meat safety that we're doing, only 5% is animal welfare. It's mm -hmm. great that there is an organization out there, organizations out there, including the NSPCA, mm -hmm. who are really looking at animal welfare instead of uh, only food safety. Mm -hmm. And uh, whilst I went deep into it, I mean, uh, then with the connections and talking to each other, well, the rest uh, was, uh, history, was history. And, and I found myself in the animal welfare fraternity for the past eight years now. Okay. Oh. So... Clint, what are the main type of production animals that we've got in South Africa? Well, I think you look at all the mainstream. We're looking at chicken and mm -hmm. beef, dairy, 
and pork will be the biggest ones. Okay. And then the sideline ones that we've got, we've got ostrich. Yeah, our ostrich industry has taken a serious beating over the last few years because of the you know, the, the, the outbreaks of avian influenza all the time. Wow. Our ostrich industry has been decimated by really? avian influenza purely because every time we have an outbreak, the EU shuts down all imports. Wow. Um, so our ostrich, our ostrich industry has drastically decreased in size over the last decade or so. Sure. Hmm. I, I, you almost, I think avian flu, it was such a huge thing when it hit. It was all over the news and everything. And I think you, you don't hear, you don't hear about it anymore. I think it, we do still have periodic outbreaks. Mm. Um, and, and I think there's just less ostriches around these days. We do. And, and although, truth be told, what you said, I haven't heard of anything in the last few months at Touch least. Wood. Touch wood. Touch but, wood. But our ostrich industry has been under serious pressure and, 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 and under decline. Huh. And then I think another production animal that we there use as well is the crocodiles. Yeah. And that, I think, opens a whole different <laughs> – I never but. used a terrible metaphor, <laughs> so kettle of fish. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, because I don't think there's a huge amount of oversight when it comes to regulation for no. farming crocodiles. None. And obviously also the game meat. Ex- you know, let's look at game meat in South exactly. Africa as well. Although that, I would suppose, by its very nature, would be free range. Uh, no, it's not because now they farm where- they farm wildlife. So the biggest there, – there is a game meat scheme which was fi- – or game meat act which was finally drawn up because – I had to comment on it in one of my past lives. And I think one of the biggest things is that, so as you say, animals like crocodiles and wild animals, yes, they're being, um, if they're wild, free ranging, then it's fine. Go and skeet it as long as it's not in winter because then all the guinea fowl are riddled with worms or whatever. So the bush law of the hunters and the pot hunters, people who hunt for consumption, they know very well. And it is a much, it is a very, it's a safe, a safe form of meat. But I think the problem is now that we are intensively farming these animals for consumption, there's a huge gap that they're falling through because those products don't have to go through any of the meat, meat Safety um, acts for wholesale um, sale or consumption by humans. Look, I know the University of Pretoria um, was is looking at is a couple of projects on the go. Is looking at at residues mm. um, in in game meat, mm. and uh, that I think the awareness is very much there. Mm. I just haven't heard too much on how far they've gone with it. Mm, cause it. But they are subject to testing. I mean, if you've got game meat on your shelves, it's subject to testing. But it's not to the same degree that your meat is. Absolutely uh, your, not, because the commercial operations are exactly. you know, that much bigger and that much more well-known. But we're getting to that stage with the game meat now. I mean, if you if you look at some of the intensive farmings or when they go in and do a huge cull, um, you know, it's it's huge amounts of meat that's being processed and put into yeah. the consumer market now. Well, I mean, we can maybe ask our guest what, what his feelings on the game. I d- look, I don't think... Game is farmed in a type of feedlot situation where you've got 90 animals per pen. Not you know, yet. they still, not yet, but they <laughs> still, you know, they, they're, they're farmed, they're but farmed, they're farmed out on, um, you know, large tracts of land. Mm. And yes, in higher numbers, but they're, they're at least out there living. And because and they're with wild, higher stress, num- stress levels as well, because they haven't adapted. Correct. Um, mm. but depending on the setup and depending on mm. what exactly it is you're doing. Mm. Um, and again, they, they, just, it's got to be ethical and it's got to be sustainable. Mm. And we just need to bear that in mind all mm. the time. Ethical and sustainable. Mm. Wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. I think sometimes the problem is that ethical and sustainable, um, gets interchanged again and weighing up the balance of having running a business when you use animals and making a profit and making it sustainable, but then making the ethical choices. And I think from my side, I wish that there were incentives for farmers to 
be more to follow more ethical methods. I think it'll come because the consumer is going to lead this fight. Mm. The consumer is going to go to your retail chain and say, "This is what I want as mm. a consumer, as your customer. This is what I want, mm. and you need to get it for me." And then that pressure then gets sort of pushed back higher, further back along mm. the chain because your your large retail chains are going to go to their producers and say, right, our customers mm. want this and yeah. this is what you now need to do. And we will incentivize you we need if that. you do it this way. Because if you look at steward conservation programs, so if you have areas on your property um, that are um, that you put into conservation programs, you can get tax tax benefits. So there's, in, there's incentivization to help with conservation. So we should, with production animals, we really should have incentivization for animal welfare. What are your thoughts on that, Tozy? Have there been any talks about that? Well, um, not that I know of, uh, Ansley. In fact, uh, I mean, this is, this is, this is not a um, organizational stance, mm. but this is something that I, I honestly... Uh. I think we're having difficulties with the Skype here. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, Maybe it got rear-ended by a truck. Oh, gosh. Like, you know, I think you've, you've taken all the, <laughs> all the action and bad luck for the day. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so I think it's, a, it's such a huge topic of conversation. And I, I do, I will admit, I do generalize. I'm very good at that. <laughs> but I think, I think we, ha- we have a very long way to go with animal welfare for production animals in South Africa. I think we have come, we have come away. Mm. We have come from away from where we were, but I think, I think there still is quite a bit, um, a bit to go. And hopefully, I mean, you know, as you say, I think the consumer side of things, that's where we really need to get the drive and people, people need to take a bit more of an active stance on their beliefs or what they feel passionately about. I think social media is one of the, Worst things in terms of that because it's just demotivated everyone because now we have armchair activists who think by liking a photo they're standing up for a cause. They're making a difference. Exactly. Yeah, it is true. But you also need to look at socioeconomic conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and that's the biggest issue. You mm-hmm. know, a guy who's struggling to buy the basic necessities and the basic staples every day mm-hmm. um, is, is going to quibble over mm-hmm. a few cents. It's going to make a difference to him mm-hmm. and because he needs to buy food for his family. Mm-hmm. And uh, – you know, the other side of things that we need to look at is also um, wealth cattle. Mm, that's Remember, a, you know, yeah. Wealth cattle are, 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 completely are, are, different. are totally different. Yeah. Here because here we're not farming cattle for commercial reasons. Yeah. Here we're farming cattle because um, to an emerging or a communal farmer, those yeah. cattle are his bank account. Exactly. Now, you know, we can start looking at issues of welfare there as well because yeah. in the drought now in particular, yep. these guys are the hardest hit. Exactly. Because they're in the most uh, remote, unre- areas. remote areas. Yeah. They don't get, the government support doesn't get to them. Yeah. And you can't go in and tell a communal farmer that he needs to, to depopulate his, his herd, herd exactly. by 50%. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's that side of things to consider as well. Yeah. Oof. No, it's, it's, it's fine. But at least we've got, we've got organizations who are working towards, um, Making, making things better for animals. But I mean, I, I completely hear what you're saying about the socioeconomics and, you know, you, it's very difficult to justify human life over animal life. We've but got my, to find that balance. There's the, always a balance. I think the problem is that we, we have some archaic methods of farming Correct. that are absolutely abhorrent. Sow crates. I mean, you, yes, we may have an animal welfare act, but the fact that ano- sows, so, so listeners, sow crates are basically gestational 
female pigs, sows are put in a static cage when they give birth so that the, so that they don't move and they don't crush their babies because when they're kept in intensive situations, you've got stress, you've got them moving around and little piglets are really tiny and really fragile and mama pigs are really big and <laughs> really quite clumsy. So they confine these mom pigs to these crates um, so that they can give birth and then the babies can feed and the babies can grow up because the babies are what we eat. Um, that is completely apparent like you are denying that animal of pretty much every single right so yes there's there's always the best way the worst way but there's also a middle way yes and we should all be striving for the middle way and we should be getting cooperation from all sides and especially the incentivization to do that because unfortunately when it comes to running a business you want to make it successful. You Correct. want to make a living. And that's where ethical and sustainable exactly. comes into that. And sustainable, uh, there's a whole list of things that fall under the heading sustainable. Mm. It's got to be commercially sustainable. It's got to be environmentally sustainable. Exactly. It's got to be sustainable from a food security point of yep. view. So we, I think everybody, you're right, everybody has a role to play, from the consumer to the producers mm. um, to the people that are in the middle between the consumers and the mm. producers to come up with an effective solution. Yeah. To the issue. Exactly. But listeners, from my side, please, I'm asking you to commit to buying free range chicken eggs. Um, I think it's a very easy thing that you can do to make a difference. Um, let's try and see if we can get that 5% up <laughs> and get more, more people eating free range eggs. It's really easy to do and you can do it without having to cough up too much out of your money. Tozy, are you still there? Oh, I think we lost Tozy. Well, to- Oh, Tozy's here. Yeah, I, uh, ah. I think it, we were breaking three or four times. Oh, I, dear. I, you you got a little here. bit of a rest. <laughs> but you're back there now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Tozy, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm very glad to hear that the Humane Society is working hard at trying to make um, life better for our production animals. And I wish you and your team the best of luck. Thank you, thank you, Ansley. Thank you for having us anytime, you know, anytime. And uh did want to say that out of the 8 billion eggs that we're eating, we're also consuming 1.1 billion chickens oh, a year, yeah. but we're still importing how many tons? 60,000 tons from the U.S. that are on the on the dock now, as we speak. Sure. So uh, it means that uh, this appetite will only go up and then the systems need to change, Ansley. The systems definitely need to change. We we should look at things holistically, not only from the economic point of view. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely spot on. I think that um, you know, consumption of the actual chickens is a whole nother show that we can get <laughs> get into. But Clint, as well, again, I mean, you've been I think you've been the hero of the day, literally being stuck in traffic and then being rear ended. <laughs> Rushing in here, making it pretty much spot on time. Well done. Thank you. I think it's you've a, deserved a big beer or a whiskey or something. It's now. been very exciting. <laughs> I'll go in for an organic vegetable shake. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Good job. But now you are off on some exciting travels recently, now coming up now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be uh, traveling a little bit internationally. I've got an international assignment coming up. Um, and we're actually going to be looking at, at various number of things, but I'll be spending some time in uh, in, some Germany, in Germany and a little Ooh, bit in the States cool. and then in Costa Rica for a little while. What the hell are you doing in Costa Rica? We're actually attending a conference over That's there as well. That's ridiculous. Who has con- – no, can I come, please? <laughs> Costa Rica. Are you going to get to do any, like, sightseeing or is it just rough? I don't know that there will be too much. It's going to be fairly intense, but I'm sure we'll get a little bit of time to have a look around. Damn. So, uh, yeah, and then back to Germany for two weeks and six weeks in total sure. out of the country. 
But I'll I'll see you next. I'll, I'll Skype in next month. We okay, can do it by brilliant. Skype again. Brilliant. I'll get the hang of this Skype thing. Well, listeners, thank you very much for listening. I'll be back next week. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Animal Central on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.